Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Neighborhood Conversations, where we chat about inclusive um, conversations just to welcome different topics, a um, variety of topics that help community grow. It's such a pleasure to be in your car, in your neighborhood, where whenever you're going to listen to this podcast. It's, it's a pleasure to um, be back with you. Um, this is your host, Templeton Sawyer. And today we're going to be talking about racism, especially in the workplace, um, especially when you're trying to um, acknowledge it and trying to be aware of racism. And so we have the amazing Derico Simmons. I, I, I know he does a lot in community. He's a very activist um, type of guy and someone who is just res- well-respected. And I... Definitely respect him um, in his leadership role. And I, I, I'll say welcome to the Neighborhood Conversations, Dorico. How are you, man? How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Very, very happy to be here. And uh, just a really quick common mistake. Simon's, not Simon's. Simon, 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 Simon's. Okay, okay, okay. See, see. That's how we do it. Not a problem, man. Not a problem. All good. I, you know, I told you that before. I told you that yeah. before. I said, I said, <laughs> I said, Simmons, before to you. I think it was when I was interviewing you on Instagram. Um, yep. I, I asked you before. And then, hey, you know, that's how, that's how we Listen, do it. That's how we do it. Yes. Common mistake. All good. Yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. So, Dorico, we are here um, in the neighborhood conversations um, talking about racism today. And, you know, this is a hot topic that it, it, it goes in continuously. It depends on the comfort level of the conversation. Um, and so I want to start with this question, like, as a as an individual, um, how are you? How are you doing um, when it comes down to educating people in racism in the workplace or just in general? Yeah, so, you know, I, I do a lot of different uh, workshops, a lot of different conversations um, for workplaces pertaining to racism, pertaining to white privilege um, and history of the African Nova Scotian community. Um, and so that's mainly sort of how how I'm uh, at least trying to steward the conversation, uh, move it forward uh, and bring about awareness. Um, and the work itself isn't easy, but the emotional labor, uh, the other side of it, because it's 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 personal to me yeah. uh, as well. So not only am I experiencing it, um, I'm also teaching it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I know that you have an, a unique role. So let the audience know your, what you do currently career wise that I know you were. <laughs> at NASCAT as a director of belonging, but now you're you're somewhere um, with the government. So um, right. <laughs> let others know. I'm coughing, man. Yeah. Grab some water. Yeah. It's a neighborhood conversation, yeah. man. Um, so, um, so formal employment, I work for the province of Nova Scotia and the Office of Equity and Anti-Racism Initiatives. Um, and I will say, you know, I'm not here representing government. Yeah. So uh, for folks who are listening, don't take this as the province said. This is simply Dorico. Yeah. Uh, but I do work for the province uh, in the Office of Equity and Anti-Racism, or OEA. Um, and, uh, you know, my background is in youth and community. I've worked with Phoenix Youth Programs for a number of years. I've worked with the uh, municipal government of Halifax uh, for a number of years. And then as well, um, I um, uh, founded two uh, nonprofits uh, in Halifax, Game Changers 902, um, and as well uh, as ACE, or sorry, founding member. Uh, there was a few of us. Um, and, you know, 
I do a lot of different things, uh, a lot of contractual work. Uh, I'm doing some work with the city of Edmonton right now. I've done some contractual work with the city of Halifax, all pertaining to really well-being of communities and black communities to be specific. Um, so, you know, formal employment with the government, but really uh, my heart is in, in community, uh, whether that's volunteer uh, or whether that's paid contract work. I'm, I'm, I'm working to try to, you know, make sure that um, our community is as, as best as it can be. That's really good, man. And, and kudos to you to all the work that you're you're doing and, and all the, the advocacies, um, projects that you're working on. And that's really amazing. Um, you know, Dorico, um, when it comes down to like racism in the workplace and you talk about community and, and, and how it connects. But I, I want to ask this question about sometimes it's hard for employers to um, bring such topic into the workplace or try to um, just... In, in, engage it into its policies. How how would you encourage employers to um, talk about it, talk about racism in the workplace, how to address it? Because sometimes it's a hard topic to have or um, to add into its policies and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that the, the answer to this can be very nuanced and long, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try and shorten it because um, it, there's a lot of it depends for me yeah. um, because some there are some folks, some white folks who simply try to address it, but also may also do further harm, yeah. um, and 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 even vice versa. And, the, and there are black folks who are uh, suffering in the workplace at the hands of it not being addressed or not being listened to. Uh, and so I think that there's many ways to go about addressing it. Um, first thing I would say right off of the jump is that um, I really believe that if we're going to be in a place with zero tolerance for racism and discrimination, some people have to be made an example and some people need to be fired. Um, and there are a lot of people that are hesitant to do that. Um, but if you're truly working to have an anti-racist organization, institution or government, that has to happen. Uh, you need The leader, the leadership needs to set the tone in the organization. So if one of your employees is being harmed, being traumatized, experiencing racism, and you know about it, and you consciously choose to do nothing, you failed them, you failed the community, you failed your organization. So that's number one for me. You, you need to set the tone uh, and examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that it's also important to dig deep uh, into your policies, into your operational structure, um, because there's a thing that I say is that you can mandate policy, but you can't mandate ideology. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people won't get down with the policies that you're trying to implement. So as I said, those folks need to be weeded out because they can't be a part of the new way that we're looking to move forward. Um, and then uh, after that, after sometimes people getting fired, after looking at your policies, well, who can we bring in to also provide secondary or, or even tertiary information um, uh, to, to educate our staff? I think that leadership has to go through um, sometimes an overhaul, but really a full review of policies, um, full uh, uh, training. Um, and I don't just simply mean one-off cultural proficiency conversations, full, meaning for the full year, maybe the next two. Uh, but the whole organization and leadership needs to sort of get down with how uh, we think about uh, moving forward and then continuous. Uh, the idea is that this is something that is nonstop uh, because racism is nonstop. Uh, racialized black folks have to deal with this for the rest of their lives. And if you're going to be an anti-racist organization, you have to do that for the rest of your existence. Wow. I, I 100% agree with you. And you know, I the part I like where, where you say setting the tune, being the, the, the tune setter um, in leadership is really important. And if you set the tune the wrong way, 
then that's how it's going to be said. And people are just going to view right. you in that way. And that's how that's how they're going to view, view you as a racist person because that's how you set the tune and you didn't correct the behavior you will not support. But of course, yeah, there is room for forgiveness. But knowing that you did that, it's still going to be in, in, in some person's head. And so knowing how to um, be that tune setter is very important. Very, very important. And we know... I asked this this question: Does racism still exist in today's um, world? I I I I asked that question because you know, for some some people, they don't experience it. Yep. They don't they don't they don't see it happening. But does it still yep. happen in today's working world, especially in Nova Scotia? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so absolutely big big yes and you know for folks who do not know um people reference nova scotia as mississippi of the north um and racism uh is so pervasive sometimes that if you're not a person of color if you're not black uh, you may not see it um and it absolutely exists and permeates in every single workplace in every single institution there's nobody uh who who is exempt and, and, and many of these organizations are, are uh, white dominant or of European descent dominant um, and black folks or racialized folks are, are the minority. And, and the thing is, is that I just, there's no excuse, uh, you know, in this day and age, um, we're so technologically and socially connected that there is no excuse to not know. Um, and then once you do know, you, you, I believe, especially if you're in a leadership role, you have a moral and ethical um, and workplace responsibility um, to, to do something about it. Um, we can't simply do nothing. And so it absolutely exists. And for those who believe that it does not, um, you know, listen to uh, your, your black or, or your racialized uh, colleagues or your employees. They've probably already told you and you've probably chose to do nothing about it. Mm, yeah. You gotta be educated, and I feel like edu continuous education is really important. Um, what are some resources that you can share with people that they can look up, um, that you're aware of, that people can actually um, get connected to to learn more about how how to be educated around this topic? Well, see, the the the, the I'm going to answer this question a little bit humor, <laughs> uh, and so because I've I've been asked this question before, my my answer is is really I say so okay so. If you're looking to order a pizza or some takeout food and you don't really know where you're going to get it from, what do you do? Oh, well, I go on the internet and I Google. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And a lot and a lot pops up, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. And then you eventually yeah. choose one. And so, and so, you know, the first place that I would actually start is to do that. Uh, if, if you're unsure um, about resources, if you're unsure of what racism is, uh, it takes, you know, 30 seconds uh, to look something up on the internet. Uh, however, you know, some some uh, I'll, I'll start with maybe some places that are, that would be worthwhile visiting. Um, you know, I think Pier Twenty One Museum um, has some amazing exhibits uh, around anti-racism. Um, I think that uh, Birchtown uh, Museum, I think the Black Cultural Center uh, of Nova Scotia, I think uh, to look at uh, resources through the Canadian Race Relations Foundation, they have amazing things uh, on their website. Uh, I would also encourage folks to look at. Um, the Office of Equity and Anti-Racism Initiatives uh, website, um, oeaengagement.ca, and then as well, um, African Nova Scotian Affairs uh, Office uh, for the Provincial Government, and then as well, the ANZIO or African Nova Scotian Affairs Integration Office with the Municipal Government. Uh, so, 
you know, there's a lot of resources that are local um, and, and hyper local right here uh, in our city. Um, but, you know, again, with some humor, but also seriousness is that like a Google search will, will do you wonders in terms of finding. Uh, oh, yeah, resources. totally. My mom always told me like, hey, if you don't know nothing, Google it, go on YouTube, educate yourself in, in, in those in those ways, because once you just search up the, the word or just the topic, um, there's lots of information for sure. Um, there's just yeah. no excuse. There's no excuse no, anymore. No, no, we're, we're, we're just no so excuse, connected. No excuse. So my, my, my next question focus on just looking at racism as 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 it is in, as an issue. Do you think that racism is a individual or systematic um, issue? We're going to take a quick break to listen to some Nova Scotia Works client stories. I look forward to my family's security in the future. That's the main goal as a father. The empowerment from changing careers has really just made me want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm looking forward to growing my business. So I want to hire people like I was hired. I want to give guys that chance. Il me fera plaisir de continuer à travailler avec les immigrants francophones en Nouvelle-Écosse. I'm looking forward to the financial freedom that I never had before. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, so I think that it's actually both because and and so it's both because it's the individual that make up the system or the systemic mm. problem. And so there are um, when we talk about systemic racism, we got to think about, well, who is the system? Who the system is yeah. the people, which is the individuals that are upholding that systemic mm. issue. And so those individuals um, you know, if they are racist, if they're not educated on the topic, they're not seeing sort of that overarching systemic um, uh, racism or systemic issue that's happening. And so I would answer that saying that it's both because we can't say that it's systemic in nature without talking about the individuals that actually make up that system itself. Mm, right, right. And, and I, I, that is so true when it comes down to um, making the system and, and seeing it as it is, but I I, I connect to another an, another question about how do we be allies in in this in this area? And I know sometimes allyship comes in in so many different ways. Um, when someone um, how how do we how do we um fight against this? And I know that there's so much movements going around um to to talk about this and to come together to educate ourselves, but more so supporting an individual who has received that um, of those comments and how can we um, work against that and without being aggressive um, in, in that in that context yeah, in course. that context as well yeah of course so you know I, I would say right away that allies um, are extremely important um, and can be uh, one of the best assets in actually helping dismantle the system. Um, especially white allies, uh, because if, if we understand and know the history, uh, we, we, we know um, that uh, folks of European descent have largely, uh, if not mostly, benefited from uh, racism uh, and systemic racism. And, and so first thing I'll say is that allyship is not a finite destination. Um, it's not something that a place where you can simply arrive. Um, and I'll say that... Um, um, I, I am going to be black for the rest of my life. I am going to be engaged, whether I like it or not. I'm going to be experienced racism, whether I like it or not. And so with that note is that 
for allies, you, you can't simply dip your toe in, get uncomfortable and leave. Because the reality is, is that you could never talk about racism again if yeah. you didn't want to. And, and, and that's a reality you could do. Black folks, we can't do that. And so when I'm talking about allyship, I'm really talking about folks who are willing to strap their boots up and walk that road with me for the rest of my life because I have to do that. And so what that means is that, um, you know, you, you, you may have to hold your friends, your family accountable. Um, you may have to, uh, believe, believe me or believe us when we tell you that this is happening. Um, and you may have to show up. You may have to speak out. Um, but you also need to educate uh, yourself. But, but for me, that thinking about allyship is that it is, it is a continuous thing. Um, it's not simply watching some YouTube, watching some 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 uh, documentaries, and attending uh, cultural uh, competency training, and then you simply arrive. Um, you know, you'll you'll never be uh, culturally competent in someone else's culture, but the the goal is to truly um, and aggressively try to understand and learn as much as you can, and walk that road. Um, alongside your racialized or black folks beside them. Sometimes you may actually have to go in in front and take on a fight that they've been fighting forever. Uh, because again, you know, if, if folks are understanding and appreciating the notion of white privilege, um, you can jump out ahead and you can say certain things or you can infiltrate the system. And so I'm looking for co-conspirators. I'm looking for people who are at the same time walking with me trying to take this down to make it as fair and as equitable as possible uh, for, for everyone. Um, and allies are extremely important in this situation. Last thing I'll say on this is that, simply put, if it was up to Black folks to solve racism, <laughs> bro, this would be solved. Yeah, we would have yeah, done it yeah, by yeah, now. Yeah, you know? yeah, long like, we would have done it by now. We need support. Allyship is very right. important for that reason. And, and you know, I always... I, 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 do you think, and I, <laughs> I mix this question, I mix this question respectfully. Do you think racism only sure. happened to black people? That's a big question. <laughs> I put that question out because like sometimes when we think, yep. I, I feel like that's, that's been like the norm and then, and then the norm is like, okay. Um, and I know the movement has been towards black people, towards Asian people, towards indigenous people. Do you think that racism only happens culturally or does it happens in a different context as well? Yeah. So, so the reason why I think that people um, really equate racism to black people for one is because white is synonymous yeah. with black. Black wouldn't exist if there wasn't white and white wouldn't exist if there wasn't black. White people actually, racism, first of all, is socially yeah. constructed. And so these actual terms of white and black, et cetera, have been socially constructed um, by white folks. And I'll throw out a few things. People should research papal bulls. They should research um, long ago um, in terms of what those did and, and to indigenous and, and, and black communities. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's synonymous. And so, of course, I, racism uh, exists uh, outside of just black folks, but it, it exists differently with black people because there, there hasn't been many, uh, if not any, other culture um, a race of people, if you will, on this planet who have been subjected to what black people have been subjected to over that amount of time. Um, now, there may be some historians who are listening who might say, what about, and that's why I said, there may not be many, if not any. And so that's why when people think about racism, 
um, uh, it's synonymous with white and for the long uh, sort of standing history of enslavement and treatment and laws that sort of still exist today. That's why people just sort of think about racism and black folks, but absolutely um, racialized folks, uh, Asian uh, Muslim community, uh, et cetera, um, the list could go on. They also experience racism, but each group experiences it differently. Totally agree. And I had to ask that question because sometimes that question is put out of context, especially in the workplace when, um, when there's a, a, a comment made and say, oh, you, you, you hate me because I'm black or you hate me because of uh, I'm this. And so, so putting that into context to help people understand that it happens in different, in, in, a, um, in different cultures as well. And, and we view it based on our experiences and based on how we were treated um, and, and stuff like that. And so knowing that is, is definitely important um, in everything and it's very critical in this time, yeah. And, and I just wanted to, um, when I mentioned papal bulls, what I'm referencing is the doctrine of discovery. Um, and I would highly encourage people uh, to research the doctrine of discovery um, and what it is um, and, and how it actually relates to um, uh, land and how it actually relates to um, uh, black people and the enslavement. Um, very, very deep and entrenched. Yeah, very, very important. I think that that brings um, well ways to, to, to stay educated. And I'm always educating myself too when, when um, calling it as it is and, and, and acting on it. Um, and just don't, don't like, like you say, don't, don't um, let someone slide when they're being racist. Call it, call it out, be, but, yep. but be respectful as well, but actually educate because you don't want to be aggressive and then they're going to think about your behavior versus um, thinking about the words that you're saying. How can you help people towards that? Not um, educating people. Yes, there was an offense that was made to them, but how can they educate someone without like the, sh the shouting? Or do you have, or is shouting the only way to talk to people sometimes for them to understand the way? You know us black people, we just talk, and we just call it out, and we, it, it, but how can we put that message in the tune um, in, in, in that way, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I'll be honest. Sometimes, sometimes the shouting like that might be warranted, depending on um, what what has happened, what you've witnessed, or what right. the person is experiencing. Um, but you know, I think that there's palatable ways to 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 get the message across uh, to folks. And you know, I go back to if you're in a leadership role, and you don't always need to be, but I, I stay with that just because um, leadership roles can set the tone uh, in tune for the organization. So I think that. Um, uh, sometimes it needs to be done publicly, uh, but not always. One-on-one uh, -on -one conversations with folks who, who may have exhibited some type of uh, racism uh, or act of discrimination uh, are important. And for the person receiving it, um, you know, what, what you have to understand is that if, if, if myself as a black man, or African Nova Scotian man is willing uh, to take my time to come to you to, to express that you either said something that hurt me uh, or my community, that means I actually care about you. Um, and, and you shouldn't be defensive uh, because if I didn't care enough about the relationship, right. I would just let it go. And so the person coming to you actually cares about you enough to let you know that you've, you know, you've hurt someone or you've made a mistake. Um, and knowing that uh, as the person receiving the information, I think is extremely important uh, because that can also set the tone. But if you're going to address racism, you've got to address it seriously. And so I think it's important to be stern. It's important to bring facts. Uh, it's important to bring um, uh, 
any type of consequences or repercussions, and then any any follow up. Uh, because again, this this you, you're not going to change somebody's thoughts or ideology uh, in a 10 minute conversation. So this has to be you know this may need to be done over subsequent uh, conversations um, with materials uh, and with follow up. And, and with consequences, I'm, I'm, I'm all for consequences and I'm all for being held accountable, uh, myself uh, included. Um, and so in those, those type of situations, uh, if you've done wrong, you may need to uh, experience some type of consequences. Totally agree. There is consequences to every action that, that's made. Um, and it brings in, in you say accountability has a variety of ways of, of, of showing the cost and paying the price for that. And so, wow. This is this has been so good. Um, Dorico, you know, people in this world, sometimes they're hurtful. They say so much horrible world. They, they say so much hurtful things in society. Um, but we need hope and we need encouragement and, and engagement towards um, allowing people to stop that. And uh, what, what would you say to the listening audience um, who's going to be listening to this podcast to engage them and encourage them um, in in this in this work and in, in this in this area, um, what will be a, a word of saying or uh, motivation that, that will help guide this us in this in this way? Yeah, yeah. So I have I have two. Um, <clears throat> so first one is that um, the tallest mountains have the best views, and that's literal and figurative as well. Um, if you've ever hiked, if you ever climbed. It's tough when you're climbing the top of the mountain, legs are burning, you need a drink of water. But when you get to the top, it's like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Um, and for folks in the workplace um, or, you know, really anywhere where they're experiencing some resistance, experiencing racism, um, and it feels never ending that you're never going to be able to work through it. The tallest mountains have the best views. The toughest climbs have the best views. And so it will be undoubtedly a tough climb, a tough go. You'll feel like you're maybe failing at times. You'll feel like you're succeeding at times. Um, but once you get to the top um, and everyone is succeeding and it's a much more equitable place, the yeah. view is going to be amazing. Um, and the second one is that um, everyone has talent, but not everyone has the same opportunities. Um, and I think that um, we need to be in the business as in the business of creating um, uh, and sustaining opportunities uh, for folks who may not have had. That could be in the workplace where you know that, um, I'll use you as an example, you know that Templeton is really killing it in his role right now and and uh, he may deserve to, 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 to move up. Um, well, why not provide that opportunity? Or, you know, you may know that um, as a board member, you've sat on uh, said board for four years and, you know, there's a really awesome uh, person from a racialized community who, who could also fill that space. Well, you know, maybe you need to step aside and provide that opportunity. So everyone has talent. Not everyone has the same opportunities. Um, and just to sort of end that one off a little more is that think about all the folks who are, um, you know, living uh, in, in poverty, um, living in uh, difficult and challenging situations who hadn't had uh, the opportunity to be here, like just to showcase who they are as a person. There's people like you and I who are out there, but they just haven't been provided the opportunity. And throughout my career, I just had mentors, other black men, black folks, and especially black women who have lifted me up right or wrong, corrected me and, and provided me with opportunity. Um, so provide wow. opportunity. There you go, folks. Provide opportunity, give 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 room for, for growth and for skill skill development and, and, and see people from their for, for their worth. I think that that's really important. If they're worth it, 
then give them the opportunity to move forward um, and don't limit their 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 um their their, their growth based on their color their of their skin based on um their disability based on um their their state of of living don't don't base it on that base it on the capability of the individual and knowing their worth that's so important thank you so much Dorigo for that at the neighborhood conversations we try to bring inclusive um, conversations with inclusive people people who bring a variety of knowledge and Dorigo Simons uh, I I would say that you brought this on the dot man thank you so much um, for coming on and we'll see you definitely at one of our next episodes but for now we'll see everyone later um, have a great day and we'll see you at the next episode This podcast is funded by the government of Nova Scotia.